inside this whip. He rained out his burner. Mama looking at me, crying. She asking when they can stop the murder. Till when did they first stop burning? Till there was no more hurdles. Pop green up, no kernels. This lean designer, no Virgil. No Tesla, I'm a mega pilot. They told my homie, so I got a break of silence. Welcome back to another edition of the All Hustle No Look podcast here on this beautiful Sunday morning. Fresh off the NBA draft, fresh off some fresh NBA drama as per usual. Uh, it's me and Chris today. Kev wasn't able to make it. We'll be back next week. And there's a lot of things we want to talk about. There's a lot of things we want to talk about. I don't want to waste too much time. So let's dig into it. Chris, how you been? I'm here, fam. I'm here. I'm here. You know, it was a good draft night. It was definitely a good draft night and a lot of things happened. So we can get that off. Um, and then, of course, we got to start with, you know, a potential reunion. You know, happy days are here again. You know, so we'll see still, but let's talk about it. So before we dig into the draft, because that's going to take the majority of the episode, I want to talk about this Katie and Kyrie. I don't even want to include Katie in it just yet. I'm really going to label it the Kyrie controversy. So for those of you that don't know, Kyrie Irving is back at it again. I don't know how else to put it. He's back at it, at it again. Now he's, he's basically claiming that he wants to move. Right, that Brooklyn might not necessarily be enough fit, and on the other end, there's a lot of teams that aren't necessarily comfortable giving out the contract that he would want, just because of how the last year and a half would went with the controversy around absentee absentee games, decision regarding the vaccine, a lot of things to consider. So, from the looks of it, it doesn't look like Kyrie Irving would be playing basketball in Brooklyn, and that sort of seems to look like it's having a ripple effect on the rest of the team, more specifically Kevin Durant. I did hear. A rumor, I don't know, maybe you can confirm it, Chris. I don't know if it's true that he said that he would want a trade if Kyrie wasn't there or he was considering a trade. If Kyrie wasn't there, I don't know how truthful that report is, but that was something that I saw. And honestly, I just want your take on it, Chris, because to me, it's kind of pissing me off, man. It's like, at what point is it, Are you? do you want to play basketball? Like, just flat out play basketball, do what you want to do. Because it just seems like every time Kyrie Irving's name gets brought up, it's for something other than what he's doing on the court. And... I understand that to some degree that has to do with his activism, which I support, but it's the method of the madness that kind of takes away from what he's actually doing. So what what are your thoughts on the situation just off the top of your head? For me, it's a clear indication, right, of sometimes basketball emulates life. And this is what I'm saying. Let me Let me explain. When you have a guy like Kyrie Irving, at this point, whether you're for him, whether you're against him, what is undisputable is the fact that this is a toxic individual. And when I say toxic, I mean something is always happening or going on in the vicinity of Kyrie Irving. Always. And by now, that's clear. Since he left LeBron James, something is always happening. Back to back to the Celtic days, right? And the thing is with toxic people is that oftentimes why they're so toxic or why they hold the power that they do is because there's an illusion. It could be an illusion or sometimes it's it's just truly reality. The fact that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in terms of having them around. Because you can see the value in the person, but the person is bringing so much heartache, so much dysfunction that you're saying to yourself, is the value that they bring even worth it? Is it worth the pain, fam? 
Is it worth going through the pain that they're bringing me on a daily basis? That's the issue that the Nets are having with Kyrie Irving. Currently, they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. Kyrie Irving is a, in terms of talent and nothing else, he is a superstar talent. And yes, that is that goes without saying. But the reality of the matter is, is that this is a superstar talent with a scrub <laughs> reality, like with a scrub kind of, you know, the, the, the want to, the, the ability to be there for your teammates. It's, it's scrubbish. The ability to be there for the team. It's scrubbish. The ability to be counted on as a man in general, just counted on. You can't count on the guy. And it's right now, the Nets are in the position to where they know they cannot count on this guy, whether it be injury, emotional injury, or, or emotional stress, or whatever else may come down the pipe that we just don't know yet. They, we know you cannot count on Kyrie Irving. It's well documented. He has only played in 40% of his games. This guy is a professional at missing work, literal professional at missing the game of basketball. But then if you don't pay him and he walks away, what, now I have to trade one of the best players in the NBA, if not the best player in the NBA in Kevin Durant? What, now I have to be able to say to myself, okay, if I don't give this guy my ass, you know, because he wants it all. If I don't turn around and give him my ass, now I'm just gonna I'm going to lose the only thing that I see on my roster that just cannot be lost, which is Kevin Durant. And this is why I don't want to separate KD from Kyrie. Because this is this has as much to do with KD as it does as much to do with Kyrie. KD is the one that is, he's not only hitching his wagon to Kyrie. We're far past that now. We're far past just hitching your wagon. At this point, I'm looking at KD saying, fam, when you go to bed at night, who do you pray to, Kai? Because that's the amount of power that this man is having over you. This, you lost James Harden because you couldn't control the man. James Harden came in and James Harden saying, yo, fam, there is absolutely no way that this is, this is what you brought me into to deal with my guy over here. There's no way. This guy just gets up and says, you know what? I'm going to miss work. And I'm going to miss work and I'm not going to tell anyone. The coach is saying, I don't know where this man is. All right, KD, where is he? I don't know. That's his man. That's his life. That What are you talking about? No accountability at all. At all. It's like if I bring if I bring Robs to the party, right? And Robs doesn't know nobody in the party. And Robs comes to the party and makes a mess of himself. The people at the party are going to look to me. Why? Because he's my guest. He, I'm supposed to be responsible for him. At this point, KD, you're supposed to be responsible for Kyrie Irving. Because the Nets obviously can't control him. So to me, nah, fam, you can't separate the two of them. This is a this is a toxic relationship, and it's a triangle relationship on three sides of it. And Kyrie Irving is the one making everybody the biggest loser. Yeah, I agree with you, but I think this day of reckoning was like I'd be I'd be wrong if I sat down here and said that I didn't think Brooklyn knew this day was coming. But when I heard reports that Kyrie was holding his own his own practices after Steve Nash's practices and how they said that. He wasn't necessarily. They didn't need a head coach. You could when when those type of conversations come out. I'm not saying that those conversations don't happen because I very well believe that there probably are other scenarios in, in other organizations where players may feel that way. May feel that like they're above the coach. 
But you can't let that get out. You can't verbalize that. From when I knew that was going on, I knew that this day of reckoning was coming. Kyrie Irving, as you said before, professional at missing games. Sometimes for legitimate reasons, but more times than not because of injuries. So not only do the Brooklyn Nets kind of have to factor that into his contract, but other teams do too. Which team is now going to burden themselves to take on Kyrie Irving to pay X amount of their salary cap, right? To take on a guy that they don't know if they can count on being there for at least 70 games. In an 82-game season, I'm not expecting a player to play all games. That's just be realistic, right? It's a rigorous league. It's going to take a toll on you. But I can't even bank on this guy to play anywhere from 65 to 70, which I feel like is standard if you're taking up, what, 30% of my cap? So... This day of reckoning is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to finish out because if I'm another team, I'm hesitant to pay him. And if I'm Brooklyn, I don't want to pay him. And when it comes to KD, like, stand on your legs. Like, whoa, like whoa, what's going on? People have been talking about Kevin Durant like he's one of these guys. And it's for whatever reason, it's it's almost like he feels the need that if he can't be the, the – the, if he doesn't have a cool start, then it's not good enough. Right? OKC days, I'll give him the blind. He joined Golden State. He already got his backlash for that. He left going to see to Brooklyn, and then it's like now, like, you're supposed to be one of the five guys, right? Like, why, why? Not everybody has the luxury of getting paired up with this, this guy. You had Kyrie Irving and Harding. Granted, it didn't work out, but we just seen Luka go to the Western Conference Finals with Dorian Finney-Smith. Not to say that's what my expectations of you are, is by yourself and a lone superstar, but why are you not even willing to take on the challenge, right? Things happen. If anything, you should have been the one to pull Kyrie aside because you made the plans to come to New York. With Kyrie, not the Knicks, but Brooklyn, you two, you two came to terms with that. So it's just weird to me that, you know, all of a sudden, KD feels like he's entitled to a trade or feels like he's not in the right situation when the Brooklyn Knicks have done everything for those guys. Fact, I don't see what more Brooklyn could have possibly done to make those guys any happier. At the end of the day, bro, you know, this, you know the saying, fam, you know, we're Jamaican, fam. When they say you have to run your house, you can't run around it. Fam, <laughs> KD's running around his house, you know. The man sees things going haywire, fam. Haywire, bro. The man the man sees the house crumbling. And before he steps up and says, I'm going to solidify where I play basketball, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna I'm gonna quell the storm, make sure that everything around me is, is blessed. No, he's having this man run around just 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 making a mockery of the thing. You don't you don't truly care about the Brooklyners. He does you there's no way you truly do. Because at some point, at some point, a man is going to say to himself, come on, fam, at the end of the day, fam, you have to respect the thing. You see what I'm saying? At the end of the day, you have to respect the, the place of work. We would assume so. I think at that's the At some point. As, yo, and that's just in life in general. If you have pride in where you are, right? If, you, if you're proud of your home, if you're proud of your work, if you're proud of your relationship, if you're proud of anything, at some point, if you see one person continuously threatening the, the structure of the thing, you're going to say to yourself, no, fam. No, I can't have this no more. I, just because I have to stand tall for my place of whatever it is. But not for everybody what, does. For not whatever it is. Not everybody's but, proud of where they live. Where man, they you work, have what a, they but, but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. The Brooklyn Nets, they, I'm not going to say they did it wrong because at the end of the day, if you have an opportunity to sign Kyrie Irving and KD, you sign them 10 times over, you sign them again and again and again. I get that. But clearly along the way, there was mistakes that were made that allowed these people to not truly value their place of work. 
And Kyrie, he does not truly value his place. You can say that he doesn't value basketball in general. Fear. And now you're trying to get from under that mistake. You don't want to compound the mistake by giving this man more money when he already told us that basketball is not his priority. So if you can tell me that basketball is not your priority and I pay you and I just say whatever because you're talented, then I'm the absolute idiot. So I, I hear why they don't want to pay them. But what, where I feel bad for them is because they, 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 could, have, they, they could not have known that they have a, a KD that is just as soft as anything I can say for soft i don't care it's either you don't care about your place of work or you're soft because at some point man come on bro let him hang fam and and and, sh- and show the man listen Kyrie, you're not about to disrespect the place that we're at right now you're not you're not about to disrespect me even if you don't care about them you can't disrespect me come on man come on like that's just how i see it and now what no franchise out right that it has any type of self-respect. Anything about themselves is about to say, I'm going to trade for Kyrie Irving and give you whatever. Why? For what? What the hell do... Why would the Clippers want Kyrie Irving? For what? To do what? Exactly. But I think that's part of the conversation. It's just like... It's a bit of a unique situation where there could be limited suitors. There's obviously going to be one team that's going to pull it. There's going to be one team, and it's only going to be the desperation teams a la... Los Angeles Lakers, the New York Knicks. Those are the only teams I see bowing down, fam. And that's basically what you're doing. He's having issues over here, so now you're going to bow down and say, okay, please come and cook. We don't mind if you come and play whatever the amount of games that you want to play. That, hey, fam, come on. Like, I get it. LA, cool. Because right now you guys are with Shorty that you don't even really rock with at all. So you're just trying to, you're just trying to, you know, say recycle the thing and come back. And you know, Kyrie is an old fling. You know, my old thing is my new thing now. I get that. Cool. The next, you guys are just in the doldrums. So anybody walking in is, is is somebody plus for you. But nobody who is who has anything about them should be wanting Kyrie Irving for what? For nothing. Well, we'll see exactly how it plays out because again, free agency starts July first. Candidate for those of you who don't know. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to happen day one of free agency. You don't know. These things tend to take time, especially when you kind of have to wait for some of the dominoes to fall from the bigger free agents to sign and trade, re-sign, whatever it is. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But I do want to pivot to the draft. So the draft happened on Thursday. Um, I do want to make note of this. This is the first time that the first four positions uh, in a draft were all – sorry, the first four selections were all of the same position in a draft. Um, they're counting each the power forward right now, so – it's notable there, but what, what I want to do is I want to run through some of the picks in the lottery. You can go one through 14, and I want to get your understanding of whether or not it was a good pick. Maybe just assign a grade and just give me a little, a little bit of background as to why we gave it that grade. So I'll start it out with the Magic Wine number one, taking Pablo Bancaro. I'm going to give it a B plus, and here's why. I'll give it a B plus because I feel like they – I said this you know, about two pods ago when we talked about the draft. I said – they're going to need a go-to score. Paolo kind of fits the mold. You could also play make because they don't really have a lot of playmaking on the team. Core Anthony's not that guy. We don't always see him. Jalen Suggs, France obviously isn't. So they would need someone to kind of be a secondary playmaker on that team. The only thing why I the only thing stopping me from giving them an A is just like why were you holding that up? OKC already done said they're taking Chet from a long time ago, and Houston for the better part was just going to take the fall. So 
I don't understand why you wouldn't just instill that confidence in Pablo to say, you're our guy. And he didn't work out for you because he didn't think he was going to take, be taken number one. It was already rumored that Jabari was up until maybe one o'clock in the day of the draft that it was going to be Jabari. So I just don't know why the Magic all of a sudden, I don't think they, they pivoted on draft day. I think that's a bit wild because nothing would have happened for them to change their mind. They knew this decision a while ago, and I just don't understand why you wouldn't place that confidence in your guy if you knew that's who you're going to select. But what do you think? I don't know. I, I the thing is, I struggle with Jabari just because I I feel as if his when he becomes you know when Blake Griffin first touched Detroit like when he first touched Detroit and he had that great year I think he was yeah, averaging. Yeah, Paulo I think that's that's basically what Paulo can aspire to be when he it's first. All NBA player, though. That is an All NBA player. I understand that, but my issue with it is just that if I'm going to draft you number one overall. To me, I want more of a complete package than what the hypothetical best-case scenario for Paulo is, right? And when I say that, I mean, if I'm drafting you number one, as good as you are on offense, I want you to be basically as good on defense. And if not, then that means I want your offense to be so crazy, what we expect out of your offense to be so crazy, that we just say we'll take whatever comes with him on defense, as long as he just doesn't, you know, become a complete liability on defense. And I just don't feel as if Paulo has that type of offensive game. I think that as a mix ma- as a mismatch with his size, 6'10", 250, able- ability to handle the ball, ability to pass the ball, and I, ex- I expect he's going to be able to shoot to a certain level. No, probably not knockdown, but he's going to be able to hit if you if you dare him to hit them. I think that's a really good player, and I'm not mad at them for saying that I'm going to, I want to take him. But at the same time, to me, it's just like he has such defensive light, such defensive problems on the other side of the ball. Where I'm saying, I don't know. I feel like the offense would have came around easier for a guy like Jabari Smith, for him to be more of that complete package that I'm looking for. Because if we, if we're able to get Jabari Smith to add some you know, fluidity to his game, the handle, then I don't think it's any comparison. I think Jabari Smith is clearly the best player. But that's something that we're going to have to come and see. But for me right now, I'm going to give it a B. I'm not saying that this is a bust or anything like that. Like, I think he's a good player. I just don't feel as if this is the player that's going to reach that type of peak. That's my that's my only issue. So we're in the same realm. We're in the same realm. I, I do think that Orlando has a lot of defensive pieces to put around Paolo, which probably factor into the decision. But let's move forward to number two, OKC Thunder, drafting your boy Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. I will give this an A. And the only reason why is because they stayed consistent. From as long as I can remember, they, they've been rumored to take Chet. They think he's the best player in the draft. They kind of fit their need because their front court is atrocious. I went through the roster yesterday, and it is bad. Um, they have a blossoming star in Shea. Giddy showed something. Dort can play. Seems like they're just a couple pieces. And I did see reports saying that Shea, this is the last season. They were saying that last season was the last season where Shea was comfortable sitting, wants to start competing. And I think that decision probably um, factored into drafting Chet. So I'm going to give it a day. I don't know what Chet's going to be from an offensive perspective in terms of his bottom, like his top line output. But I know at the very least, he could be a really good backline defender. He can hit open shots. He's going to be useful in an offense, useful in a defense. He's one of those guys that's not going to get right off the court and can probably play 30 to 34 minutes a game and not really 
cost you anything. So I'm going to give it an A. I think OKC fills a gap. They get a need, and they also potentially could have gotten one of the best players in the draft because he was, I think coming out of high school, he was the number one player, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, Chet Holmgren, I'm going to give it an A to OKC. I'm going to give him an A as well. Um but it it's a twofold. It has to do with player, and then it has to do with the person that selected him. Sam Presti deserves any benefit of the doubt um, when it comes to drafting. If Sam Presti says that this player is going to be the player, he locked in on Chet, and he never wavered. If he had the number one pick overall, he would have picked Chet, right? So the fact that he was able to he, – he locked into a target, that has me saying to myself, all right, now I have to – anything that I felt about Chet, I got to give it that benefit of the doubt when I'm speaking about it. and. The only issue for me is just like, is this guy going to be able to hold up? Now, the fact that he's not even close to 200 pounds at seven foot tall, I don't know, bro. That that completely scares me. And it's not even about injury or anything like that because the taller you are, honestly, it's better to be on the lighter side, right? You don't want to be completely light, but you want to be on the lighter side just to give your joints, you know, a, a little break. You don't want to be no Embiid lumbering down the court, right? Cool. My only issue is, is he going to be able to stand tall, bro? To stand tall, like to 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 claim his position on the court and be blessed. Because fam, there are clips of other players that are currently in the league, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Duran, that is completely pushing Buddy underneath the rim and just hammering on the mat, right? And people are so focused on saying that. This is a league that doesn't have necessarily those type of, you know, back to the basket, power you down bigs. Cool. But it's to me, it's not only about them. It's about the guard, Jalen Brown, coming down the, you know, coming down the lane. Are you strong enough to hold up, to take up enough mass to where that type of athletic freak isn't just going to yam it on your head every time? So, but in saying that, the skill is there. He is a seven-foot guy who can shoot the ball, who can dribble the ball, who can pass the ball, who has good feel on offense, and the defense says what it says. Yes, he's smaller, but this is a guy that has the intelligence to say, where is the best position for me to put my body to not only get this block with my 7'6 wingspan, but to contest a shot and force up a bad shot, right? So for me... I'm gonna I'm gonna take the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna say that his body holds up and he's able to figure it out when it comes to the strength aspect of the game, and the scale will be too much that you know he becomes a player where we're seeing the unicorn in the sense that he's grabbing rebounds, going full full length of the court, dunking it, grabbing rebounds, full length of the court, passing it to an open shooter on the wing, grabbing the rebound, pulling up for three. Like these are the plays that. Chet at his, you know, top one percentile or 99th percentile is able to achieve. So I'm going to go with the benefit of that and give it an A. Yeah. Um, the weight, weight is a concern, 100%. This is probably his only concern, for being honest, because there's guards in the league that are way bigger than him. And I, I, I do want to kind of give him a blight because I think all good shot blockers get bolstered, but I think the contest is more important than the actual result. Um. But anyway, let's move forward because we got a, we got a few picks we got to get through. Uh, number three, we have the Houston Rockets selecting Jabari Sims Jr. I'm going to give this an A minus. Um, reason why is not because they didn't get a guy that I think is capable. 
Um, but they didn't really have a decision to make. <laughs> so you downgrade them because they don't have a decision to make? No, I'm saying that, like, so for, if we're evaluating the way I'm evaluating these grades, right, I'm kind of doing like a 50-50, maybe 60-40 split of who's a, who did you actually take and who was available. They didn't really have a choice to make here. They were going to take whoever felt. So I can't really say that you made some genius decision because you got the best prospect or you got one of the best prospects, the guy that was tutored to go number one for the majority of the, the pre-draft um, process. But you didn't have a decision to make in that process. Like, you were going to take who felt anyway. So I'm not going to give you much credit for taking a guy that was supposed to be number one that felt. Like, it is what it is, right? Like, if you had messed up, then your grade would have dropped. But you didn't do much to move the needle. So I'm going to give you an A-. And obviously, I feel like Jabari is going to go to a nice situation. Uh, Rockets have some discipline issues that they need to clean up. I don't think Jabari is that type of guy. He seems like he has his head on his shoulders. So I think he's going to go in there. He's going to be able to kind of get his feeding right. But I do think it's going to take a while for him to settle in just because they don't have great guard play. I shouldn't say that. They don't have great playmaking on that team. And I feel like Jabari is not at the point where he can really go out there and get his. So either it's going to be a switch of scheme. Maybe they bring somebody in. Maybe... They use him in a way that we haven't seen him being used before. I don't know, but I'm going to give it A- minus just because they got who was supposed to be the consensus number one guy, and they didn't really have to put much effort into it. But I'm still kind of a bit curious, which is why I didn't look the grade up as to uh, how it's actually going to work out in first early season, just given the construction of the roster. Yeah, for me, uh, this was the number one. this was the number one player up until the last coming days in the draft and you got him at number three so for me it's an a like he was my number one player i've been well documented how i feel about smith so i won't take too much time i'll just say that this is a player with a jump shot as sweet as anything we've seen come through into the league and i'm talking about like it's well known and the defensive upside on him is through the roof as well right so there's not much else for me to say if he's able to to find that dribble package, to find that feel that I'm talking about, the ability to, to to get your own shot, and then, you know, you don't have to be LeBron James with the passing. You just have to be a serviceable passer to when so much attention is brought to you, are you able to then facilitate for your teammates? If those two things hit, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, I, I do, but I, I do think it's, it's harder to implement a dribble package than most people think it is a lot of guys in this league that are three and d that really wish they could do just a fact right not to say that they can't develop it but the likelihood of it developing is very 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 low like so you have to really put in those hours to get it together and it's not just being able to dribble being able to dribble and create which i think is a strong difference so let's move forward to number four and this is this is where it's going to get a bit controversial for me i'm giving the kings a b minus and let me let me let me preface this statement by saying I don't think that Keegan Murray is a bad player. He obviously performed in college. He looks to be a really, really solid high-end rotation player at the very least. The only reason why I'm giving the Kings a bit of a low grade is because you had the opportunity to draft Jalen Ivey. And even if you said he's not working out for you, he's not sending the medicals, whatever, you could have leveraged that into getting something. We know he was part of that consensus top four in the draft, but yet you didn't even, I don't even think you bothered to pick him. You could have picked him, held him hostage, and traded him for someone else or leverage somebody to move up and move down to take Keegan Murray, because I don't think anybody was taking Keegan Murray before um, five anyway, right? Especially knowing that Detroit really did have a, have an itch for Ivy. I think that you could have definitely done something there. And then on top of that, it's just like, it's ah, 
pick. Like, I don't think Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray is going to be the missing piece. And will he even start for you, right? You have Sabonis, you have Barnes, which are veterans that perform at a decently high level. So I just don't know what this pick does for you. I understand that it's probably the pick you have to make, considering that, you know, that Ivy wasn't going to play for you or whatever the case is. But for me personally, like, it's just, it's a whatever pick. Like, I don't know how much this moves are needed for you, personally. Like, he's going to come in off the bench, he's going to do what he does. But... Is he really going to be the one that propels you to the playoffs? Or even he's going to develop to be some all-star, perennial all-star in the future? I don't think so. So I'm giving him a B-. For me, it was a safe pick from the standpoint of Ivy didn't want to play there. Ivy didn't give them the medicals. Ivy didn't, didn't – he made it clear. He said, I want to play for the Pacers or I want to play for Detroit. That's what he said before. He didn't give them no medicals. He didn't work out with them. No interview, no nothing. So from that standpoint, it's like, are you then going to just be stubborn and pick him anyways and then potentially end up with him regardless? And now you have a player that's disgruntled from day one or pick him anyways and then just stare at Detroit or stare at whoever right in the face and be like, yeah, you thought we weren't going to do it. We did it now. You know, come give if you want your guy, let's trade for him. To me, it's like. If you weren't able to get the trade done prior because obviously we all knew that Detroit was going to take him at five if he fell. And if you weren't able to have Detroit go up and get that guy, or if you weren't able to have the Pacers jump over Detroit, if enough interest was in there, to me, it's like, don't even bother. Like, it's not worth it. You might as well just go and draft the guy that you feel is serviceable. And Keegan Murray is serviceable. He's 22 years old, so I don't know how much more he has to go. But I, what I do know is he can play the game of basketball. Right, I think that he's gonna be he's a he he's as safe as one of these picks are in my eyes, because I think that we already know what he is, and what he is is a good player. He's gonna play defense. He's gonna hit shots. He's gonna be able to score. He makes great cuts off off um the perimeter when he's out there. Moves well with and without the ball. Like he's gonna be a good player. So for me, it's like, you know, they were in a tough position, and this is the issue when you're, you know, one of these garbage franchises. Every so often, you're going to have situations where people just don't want to play for you at all because they already know how you mismanage. You just had, you just had um, Halliburton in your, in your crib just the other day who showed and proved. And what did you do with him? You threw him to the wolves. You traded him. So Jaden Ivey saying, so why am I coming in to then, what, to, to replay this scenario all over again? For me to be the third guard again? Nah, fam, don't do that. Don't, don't take me. Because I don't want to go through what Halliburton just had to go through. Forget that. So, hey, sometimes your bad decisions lead to more bad decisions in the future because of what, you know, of what what it is. So, I'm going to say it's a B. I mean, actually, I'm going to say it's a C plus. You know why? Because, because of what I just said. Your past affected your future in the way that, you know, the decisions that you made, people don't want to now have to go through that again with you. So, C plus. Yeah. Definitely on one of the lower rankings or lower grades I'm going to give today. But move forward to number six. You have the Pacers selecting Benedict Matherin out of Montreal, Arizona University. You see what this um, guy said about, about LeBron James? Yeah, he's ridiculous. Oh. I, but at this point, like, I feel like those type of guys, they just come out there because they just want a little bit of line. Fam, it's not- over now, though. You know, we don't need the bravado. I understand man's are going to hit you with the bravado before draft. You've been drafted. So just, yo, chill. That's what I'm saying. It went but over I think, I think it's one of those things where it's like, 
when you're not considered to be one of the guys in the draft, you may be looking for some limelight. Because he said that he was doing that at Arizona too. A lot of people don't even understand that. When he was at Arizona, he wasn't the guy that everybody thought he was. In the season, he was like maybe a middling first-round player. And then the tournament kind of hit and he did perform well in some work. Like he was talking shit then too. So it's like, that doesn't really bother me. It doesn't move the medium for me. In terms of the Pacers selecting them, I'm going to give them a A-. minus. I really like Benedict Mathering. I like the player profile. I like his archetype. He's um, he can shoot. He, he scores well off the ball because he had to just because of um, the team that Arizona had last year. And then on top of that, I think he he's a promising defender. He's not locked down, but he has a mechanics and he has a profile. And he, when he needs to, he can actually turn it on. The only reason why I didn't bump them up to an A or A plus is because I feel like right now they need to make some decisions on the roster. You have Malcolm Brogdon on the roster. You just bought in Tyrese Halliburton. You have TJ Warren. Um, you have Buddy Heald. You have a lot of guys that are in that two, three-ish position. And yeah, Benedict Matherin might not be the guy to say come in and average 20 and save your franchise right now, but like you need to kind of make a decision on what you're doing. Are you keeping these guys and you're going to make another run? Or are you, are you shipping these guys and giving the young bucks the run? Like, you have to make a decision. So I can see how this situation may not go well if they don't move off of some of these guys because I could see a situation, and this would be wrong, I don't agree with this team, but I can see a situation where next year Buddy Hill is playing more than Ben Matherin. And I don't think that should ever be the case. Like, but that could possibly happen if they don't move off him. I can see a situation where Brogdon's playing more than Benedict, than Benedict Matherin. Right? Like, these are two guys that are firmly entrenched in the depth chart ahead of him. And to me, if you're going to draft a guy like that, you probably should have cleared up some space to give the guy the confidence to come in there and say, hey, we're going to allow you to make your mark because we believe that you're part of the future. But they didn't do that. Um, maybe they still have the time to do that. Don't get me wrong. Maybe they're still, you know, reviewing their options and, and seeing what's out there. But I would have done it beforehand, which is why I gave them an A-. Uh, so let me just say quickly, because we went over Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey's an A for me. Um, oh, gosh. I forgot Jaden Ivey. Go ahead. My bad. Yeah, let me just say that Jaden Ivey's an A for me. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite players in the draft. After you get past Smith and Smith, uh, Shaden Sharp. Jaden Ivey's right there in third in the third place position for me. I think he's going to be great, absolutely great. So I got that if for an A. When I'm looking at Benedict Matherin, Ben Matherin, um, my issue with, with Ben Matherin is that when you have players like this, that, you know, they started kind of slow, and then they have that big one year, and then they come out, and he's coming out with a lot of bravado. My only issue is that is the strides that he took going to be able to translate well enough in the league? So is he the shooter that he was last year? Is he going to be able to handle the ball to the to the degree that he did last year? Because he's not the best when it comes to that type of feel for the game. He's not going to be able to, to dissect you or anything like that. So it's like when the defenders get, you know, when the defenders increase, is he going to also be able to increase his level? I look at him and he reminds me a lot of Ben McElmore, honestly. And I understand that Ben McElmore, he didn't hit. But he reminds me of what Ben McElmore was coming out of Kansas. So, I don't know. Maybe it, that's the reason why I'm a little, uh, but for now, I'm going to have to just, you know, I'm going to have to give it a a B minus. And it's more of so, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm getting at them for the selection. It's just about me looking at it and me saying, I feel like they were, players behind you 
that I, I trust a little bit more. But I'm not going to just throw it away. I'm a, it's a wait-and-see approach. So a B-minus for now. Sorry, I skipped over Ivy. I'll give Ivy an A as well, just because of the situation and whatnot. But let's move forward. Number seven, Shane and Sharp. I'm giving the Portland Trailblazers a B-minus here. And let me explain myself. This has nothing to do with Shane and Sharp. But it does still have everything to do with Shane and Sharp. We haven't seen him play competitive basketball. The last time we've seen him play basketball was at UIBL, which he did tear it up. But again, high school competition is not the same as college competition, which is not the same as NBA competition. With that being said, what is your direction? You just traded for Jeremy Grant. Damian Lillard made it very clear he's trying to he's trying to compete. And you just like you already have guards on the roster, right? You have guys that are gonna be there. You have Damian Lillard, you have um Anthony Simons, which you're looking to sign back. So I just don't see the path to minutes for Shaden Sharp. And even if that's the case, his minutes, sad to say, may not be good minutes in year one. Not to say that I'm not saying that Shaden Sharp can't be something down the line. Right, I, I truly believe that he can. He can turn out to be something special, but he's not going to help you contribute to a, a team right now, day one. So I just don't understand why they held on to this pick. I, I would assume that they would have traded this pick to get uh, something, even if it was to move up to maybe get one of those guys, or maybe it would have been to get a veteran player that can help them right now. I like Shaden Sharp as a prospect, um, despite the, the mystery surrounding him, but I don't think this is the right pick for Portland, which is why I'm going to give him a few minutes. I'm on the complete opposite spectrum. I'm letting my nuts hang on this one. A-plus for Shade and Sharp. Absolute A-plus. Listen, when we say what is the direction of the Portland Trailblazers, what do we see if all things go well for them? What's the highest they can possibly aspire, aspire for? Eighth, right? Uh, playing. Yeah, whatever. The playing. Anywhere, anywhere in the playing. Yeah. Anywhere in the playing. Yeah. All right. So why would I then go out there and say I'm going to pass up on a prospect where I feel has a potential to be the best player in this draft at number seven because I want to chase the eight seed? Well, hold on. That that's seven not what could have propelled fam, you beyond no, no, the, no, beyond no, 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 no. That that's not what good that's not what good teams are out here to be doing, fam. If you if you aspire to be a good team again and you're in the position that Portland Trailblazers are in, fam, you need to shoot for the stars and you need to shoot for the moon. There's no point in taking a player that is safe, that you feel like is safe and will help you chase a eighth seed or a play-in spot. No, fam. No, no, no. No, I, I, that, that, to me, that's not what has to be done here. Portland is in a position where they need to hit. They, if they're able to hit on a player like Shaden Sharp, Fam, I understand he hasn't necessarily played basketball, right? Not since high school, EYBL, you know, cool. He hasn't done that. But what I'm saying is when you turn on the tape, there's not many teenage players that you see putting in bag work that you're seeing Shaden Sharp put in. The pull-up threes. His ability to hit off-balance jumpers and shots. His ability to, to challenge at the rim. This man is a guy that is reported to have a 49-inch... Uh, vertical fam. That's cat, by the way. But what I'm saying is, when you turn on the tape, it's not like you can say you turn on the tape and you're seeing cat fam. I see. I'm seeing cat. I'm so. seeing multiple instances where this brother's head is is rivaling the rim. Multiple instances. That ain't 40, 49. You know, high forty nine. Fam, what I'm trying it. to tell you is, what I'm trying to tell you is, this brother is a leaper, absolute leaper, and. He's a shooter, absolute shooter. Fam, this guy is can handle the ball completely. Shot creator badge. Shot creator badge is gold right now. So 
for me, it's like, nah, the amount, the package that this guy, this brother could be is a player that's saying, when I hit my peak, when I hit my pinnacle, I'm out here trying to score, trying to trying to make um um scoring champions. I'm trying to lead the league in scoring. This is the type of player we're talking about. You have to swing for this guy. You have to. Because he could legitimately be the best player in this draft. You have to swing for him. I'm not saying don't. The only thing I was saying is that if I have the number seven pick and it could propel me so somewhere above that plane, and it, even if it doesn't work out, you could when it doesn't work out, you're going to get the picks in return when it's time to blow up the roster. So I just didn't see the move. But, um, let's move forward. So next we got the Pelicans. Taking Dyson Daniels. I'm giving this one a A. Dyson Daniels reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball, which I think is what the Pelicans need right now. Someone who can still facilitate um, the offense, can play but doesn't necessarily need the ball in their hands to be totally effective. He's a bigger guard. The shot hasn't really been falling, but they have shot makers now, man. They have Brandon Ingram. They have CJ McCollum. They have guys that can go out there and do what they need to do. Zion obviously isn't you no know, shot maker, but he's impactful nonetheless. I feel like Dyson Daniels, Dyson Daniels, if he's able to just hit spot-up jumpers, that's this, this is all they need, right? I'm sad, the only thing I, I will say is I'm sad to see that they gave up on guys like Kyra Lewis so early because I feel like he never really got a fair shot. But it happens. It's the NBA. Cream rises to the top, so to the top, I should say. So uh, I'm giving them an A. I think it's a great pick. They fill a need, but they also took BPA. Um, yeah, not really much to say here. Uh, yeah, for me, if you have a player that, you know, as long as he's going to be out there to shoot the ball, you have a player that is going to be able to defend. He's long, rangy. He's going to be able to guard one, two, maybe even some threes. You know, when he hits that, you know, that point in his career, it gets a little stronger. He can pass the ball. It's all about can he hit a wide-open jumper. If he's able to hit a wide-open jumper, then this pick is a great pick for them, great fit. They need to get uh, Devontae Graham, your guy, the fuck out of the lineup, excuse my language. That guy is absolutely ass. So it's like, it's an immediate, immediate switch. And then you're looking at a team where, you know, if Dyson Daniels, again, is able to hit shots, and that is a big if, but if he is, you're looking at Dyson Daniels, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, right? Herb Jones, or Trey, Trey Murphy. Like, this... This team is long, it's rangy, it has offensive talent, and now you're looking at bolstering that defense, Herb Jones, and now you have Dyson Daniels, because Dyson Daniels is going to be able to defend his position. I like it. I'm not mad at it. A for sure. If he's able to shoot. It's a big if. Hardest skill in the game. Hardest skill in the game. Number nine, Jeremy Sochan. Sochan? Can I even pronounce his name? But yeah, let's just do a little rapid fire. Jimmy Socha at number nine. I'm giving them a B. They needed a power forward. Kelvin Johnson at 6'4 cannot be your power forward. The only thing is that I don't see any direction. I just feel like sometimes the, the Spurs, especially in the last three drafts, I've just been swinging for the fences. Like, they took Josh Primo one year. They took Lonnie Walker. They just take, keep taking these guys that, like, in the draft process, there's not really much discussion about them. They're just kind of guys that are there in the middle to end the first round, but they end up taking them a lot earlier. I'm not really seeing um, the fruits of their decisions. And again, maybe I should bite my tongue because they did take Jajante 29th overall, but that was because he tore his ACL. But nonetheless, he took him 29 04 also. Maybe I just have to have more faith in the development plan and wait for the results to come through. But 
yeah, like this is a fine pick. I don't know how much it pays for you next year. I, I, he might go, get some minutes in the lineup, depending on what they want to do. If they're trying to compete, like he might not. It, it's a whatever pick for me. So what I say, even like a B minus. You said a B minus. Yeah. Actually, not a C plus, man. C plus. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a B. Like just quickly, we're we're looking at a, a Draymond Green, Ben Simmons type player, right? He is a he's all over the place. He's a D and we just signed the NBA Finals. Like wings win championships. And if you have a player that's going to be able to guard multiple positions, you're going to roll out there and he's going to make passes, make defensive plays. Like the shooting is his biggest issue. And this is a guy where he shot so poorly that I, I feel like saying if he's able to shoot is just at this point, it's a disrespecting. Like we, we, we can say that for every single prospect at that point. Right. So I'm not going to expect him to be able to shoot like that. Um, but is a player that can do everything else. And as long as they're able to use him, properly in the offense you know put him there in the short corner whatever it may be um then it should work out the only issue is that the spurs over there is building a basketball of brick makers you know what i'm saying people that bring their lunch pill but you Nobody have too much, shots yeah you got too much of those mans on the court right now for 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 as good as dejounte murray is he he's only a he's not a he's a passable shooter he's not quite ben simmons but he's he's passable, right? And then every anyone else, Keldon Johnson can't really hit, but he does. He shoots, but like he can't really hit. You're you you know you're already out here starting Poto, and you know now you have what Jeremy uh, Shohan, and who else is on that team? That that, that Lonnie play? Walker can't shoot. Lonnie Walker can't. Yeah, yeah. Fam, they got no hitters out there still. They have to go invest in the sniper game. They got to go call Kodak or something. So, <laughs> but <laughs> they got no hitters out there still. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. Like, I just don't know what these picks were really doing for me. Number 10, we got Johnny Davis. I'm giving this a B. It's a safe pick. Johnny Davis is one of the best players in college basketball last year. Coming out of Wisconsin, he was really, really, really impactful. The only problem is, is that I feel like there's a lot down. And this is for my old former team that used to support. Like, they need to get it together. You have Kuzma. You have Denny Abdia. You have Corey Kispert. You have all these guys like Guri Hachimura. You have all these KCP. Like, the list goes on, like. And I understand you're trying to kind of move off of these guys, and I firmly believe that these, what's holding up the process is the decision on Beal. I think if they decide to trade Beal, then they're going to blow it up. If they decide to keep Beal, then they kind of want to keep the veteran presence around, which I understand. But burying a guy like Johnny Davis is not going to do any favors because he needs those he needs those early developmental minutes for, in my opinion, for him to realize his true talent. I don't think you putting him behind three or four guys on the depth chart is really going to allow him to be who he needs to be or instill the confidence that he needs. If I'm the Wizards, you should be looking forward to the next couple of years post-Bradley Beal era because we already see what Bradley Beal is best is able to get you and it's not in the playoffs. So I like the pick. I just don't, again, I don't like the conditions that they're putting him in, walking in on day one. They need, I feel like they should have cleared up a lot of these things beforehand um, because, like, is it just me or was the draft day, like, void of trades? Like, I, all the previous draft days, I remember the trades are flinging left, right, and center because guys were getting cleared out for these guys to come in to make them feel as comfortable and homely as possible. I just don't feel like it happened this year. And maybe that's just me, but I don't know what your thoughts. For me, this guy is a bucket, right? But it's one of those where it's, I don't want to, you know, my life has been so peaceful since I stopped taking the Bradley Beal stuff series. Honestly, like, it's, it's, it's been, it's been great. It, eh? Yeah, I'm done with that guy. I'm done with that guy because I truly feel like he's just one of those guys that just 
you know, they just beak about winning and they just don't have anything in them that say they truly care about that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, looking at Johnny Davis, I think that, again, wings rule basketball. Like, we're getting to a place where, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'10, six, that's where the that's where your bread is buttered. And this is a player that fits in that mold. This is a player that was a scorer in college. He was able to score efficiently well as well. So, yeah, I'm not mad at the selection. Like, at this point in the draft, you're just trying to be able to, to pick up a guy where you can see him, you know, possibly reach 75th percentile and become a, you know, starter for you, a starter through and through for you. That's all you really want. And I feel like Johnny Davis has that ability to do that. I agree. I agree. I'm just scared of what, how much opportunity he's going to get. And maybe that goes for a lot of guys. Maybe he doesn't deserve the opportunity to be going number 10. But let's bust through the, these last four picks. Uh, 11, we got the Knicks actually trading this pick, but they took Usman Dieng. Um, don't know much about him. Being 100% honest, I know that Josh Lloyd talks very highly about his prospects. He doesn't say he's a really good player right now, but he did say that he has uh, the builds. Kind of like a... This is a bad comparison. But remember the Ferguson man that came out of New Zealand? Just an athlete. Like, he's an athlete with, with good measurables. That's basically what Joshua was saying. I don't really know much about them. I'm going to give the Knicks a C-. I don't feel like the Knicks are in any position to be training away guys to not be taking guys. Like, like, why are you training picks to not get anybody in return? Your team is not fully cemented. You're not under no strict cap, salary cap restrictions. Like, pick a guy. There's plenty of guys around the board that you, you could have welcomed to your team. You have flaws on your team. Um, make a selection. I don't know. I'm giving them a C- on this one. Much like with a lot of players in the league, fam, this, at this point in the in the draft, in the draft recap, what does it sound like? If, 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 if he's able to do what? Shoot. If this guy is able to shoot, then we're completely talking about a, a different type of player. This is a 6'10 wing who's able to handle the ball and pass the ball. Again, if you get wings on your team that can handle and pass, what that does for your offense is just wonders, fam. Wonders. Throwing a little bit of shooting on top of that, and now you're talking about a player that's getting absolutely, you know, is, is just ridiculous. Again, 6'10", shot creator. If he's able to hit the shots, it's a madness. And like I said earlier on, we're talking about a guy that gave up three draft picks to get this guy. Presti gave up three first-round picks. Yes, they're protected. But at the end of the day, he gave up three first-round picks. And we know he is a hoarder of picks. One thing about hoarders, they don't want to give it up, right? He was able to give it up for this player. I'm going to say that the developmental plan that they have out there in OKC is going to be able to bring out whatever is in there. And I'm going to say that we're going to look back. And again, we're going to look at Presti and see you did it again. So right now, I'm feeling A-. That's what I'm feeling like because I'm betting on the man that pressed. Wait, me. for the Knicks? Fam, I'm not talking about the Knicks. I'm talking about OKC for getting the man. This is an OKC draft pick. The Knicks do whatever the Knicks want to do. Listen, the fact that the Knicks are going to be out here trading away the pick and getting three draft picks back and then leaving the night without anybody. For, if I'm a fan of the Knicks, I'm not hearing that because I don't want to hear that, okay, we sold this year, but believe in us in years to come because you've never shown us the ability never. to do that. <laughs> never. For all we know, when fucking trading starts again, you're going to trade all three picks for who? I don't even know. Um, Who's a scrub? Whatever the scrub is. like You're going to trade the picks anyways or you're just going to make a mess of it. I can't trust you to make any decision with, with that requires foresight. 
I cannot trust you to do that. So for me, it's like, it's cool. Like, I, I understand the principle of the matter. If you felt as if whatever you could have got at 11 this year is not to the level of three first-round draft picks, although they are protected, but they're not at the level of three first-round draft picks, I hear that. The only issue is we're talking about the New York Knickerbockers that haven't made a good decision since Porzingis. So, and, and Porzingis was, you know what I'm saying? So, nah. And then they, they messed that up later down the line. So, fam, if I'm going to critique what the Knicks did on draft night, I'm conflicted. It was a, I truly feel like it was a A move, but you're a D-plus franchise. So, now I have to meet in the middle. It was a C-plus. That's what I'm going to give it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see exactly how it turns out. Uh, next, we got Jalen Williams, OKC again. This guy's this guy's good. He's good. I'm I'm gonna give it a a, a minus because uh, at this point, OKC is just acquiring talent. They're running like a training camp. Whoever comes in, shows that they can play, is gonna play. I don't think he's gonna come in and and take over Shea or Giddy's position. Obviously not. But if you're able to prove that you're a rotation player, you'll get the minutes. The team is young enough. There's no Stamps on the team. Anybody can get moved. Anybody can get traded. Go out there and run, young fella. And to get him at number 12, especially considering he was on the board, I'm cool with it. So I'll give him an A minus. Again, OKC is doing work. They're doing work. This is a guy, again, he is a wing that can dribble, pass, and shoot. He came out of Santa Clara. So, you know, we're going to have to see what the what the talent gap is saying when he jumps up. But it's the same league as Isabel Zaghi. That's the I, I hear that still. I hear that. And that's, that, that's something to say about Chet. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy that can dribble, pass, and shoot again. 6'6 six, six player with ridiculous wingspan. I think he has a 7'2 wingspan. You know, I love the tools. I love the package that I see on tape. Fam, again, Presti he said he's good. All right, bet. I'm rolling with an A. Um, next, we have the... We have Jalen Duran going number thirteen to Hornets. I don't. I think they traded this pick. Though. They traded him, so they traded yeah. him over to um, the Knicks, and then the Knicks then took him and traded him over to Detroit. Yeah. So if Detroit gets this guy, this is an A plus for them. I say Stewart's bad. <laughs> he's bad. He's bad. He's bad. He's bad. And I think they know he's bad. And to some degree, I think he knows his guy too, which is probably very sad to say. But it goes without saying. Like when you identify that this guy's not part of the future, get guys who you at least think could be a part of the future. And if Jalen Durant comes in and is able to usurp um, Stewart right off the bat, then you already have a W, right? Like you already identified who's going to be part of the future plan and who's not. Because I think, from being very honest, I think Detroit went in here with a plan. I think they went to themselves and they said, "Hey." We don't like our roster. Um, but let's go get some guys that we like. Killian Hayes, you're not cutting it. I will bring an Ivy. Stewart, you're not the guy we thought you could have been. You're not Bam S. Let's go get Durant. So I'm going to give this one an A. I like, I like what the Pistons are doing here. Acquiring pieces that are projected to work in place of guys that you know are not working right. The fact that Killian Hayes is coming off the bench, yeah, as opposed to I think mainly the guy that's starting above him, but it's pitiful. But go ahead. Yeah, the, my thing is like the the player. I truly feel Mark Williams is a better player than Jalen Duran, um, but at the same time, it wasn't as if 
the Detroit Pistons were on the clock and they were able to select. They had to make a trade, and there was no guarantee that you're going to be able to get a trade from Mark Williams after Charlotte selects him. So if I look at it from that aspect and I keep that in mind, I'm not mad at the Jalen Durant selection. And it's it's basically exactly what you just said. You have to trade out the garbage and bring in something that can be more simple. Isaiah Stewart is garbage. You're not you're not getting anything out of that guy. I look at him and yo, that's a yard man. He's Jamaican and everything. So I don't want to you know bash him and things like that. But like, fam, I'm telling you, like there was times last year when I watched Isaiah Stewart and I said to myself, this guy is literally shit. <laughs> like, and anytime you come to that type of realization when you're watching players, he's they're bad. If you just watch the game and you just say to yourself, nah, like this is this is garbage. Right? So they had to do whatever they had to do. And Jalen Duran, even though I'm not as big as a fan as, you know, other people may be, I feel like he's when you're when you're talking about a big man that, you know, can't pass, can't shoot, can't handle the ball, all I hear is replacement level big. I hear a dime a dozen. I hear you can go out go out and get any of them and slot them in and then you want to go get Biombo who that's been out of the league for the last three, four years. <laughs> cool. Let's just go. Let's just do that. And we're just going to see this exact same production. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's just what I feel when I hear that bigs can't do anything extra than just run dunk and maybe block a one, two shots. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see if he's anything more than that, but yeah, I'm not mad at them saying, you know, let, let's, let's get Isaiah Stewart off the court. And bringing a a guy that could potentially be a a, a real bot, a, a real hooper. And brings us number fourteen, which I honestly believe this is probably my favorite pick of the night, outside of like the major ones. But we have the Cuban Cavaliers selecting Ochai Abaji. Abaji. This is my favorite pick from one of the teams that were not consensus like top five, just because Isaac Isaac Okoro is bad. Colin Sexton's means hurt, and he was there. He wasn't really contributing to good basketball. You don't have any wings. Uh, what's that guy's name? Chetty Osmond, garbage. Oshai, yeah, he's older. He's 22, but he's polished. He doesn't really have any flaws in his game, and the only knock against him is that he's 22. But I feel like if Cleveland right now wants to turn the corner, and obviously since last year, you see the moves that they made and who they brought in, they're trying to now turn the clock and compete. This is the guy you're going to need. You're going to need someone who's going to go out there, play defense, hit open shots, be a strong physical defender, and just give you quality minutes. Because I don't think Isaac Curl is doing this. I think that this guy would easily eat Isaac Curl's minutes. He'll come in, and he could play 35 minutes. He probably won't, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was top 10 in minutes or top 20 in minutes in the league, just for the sheer fact that they're going to need him out there. So I like this pick a lot. I'm giving the Cleveland Cavaliers an A+. They got a guy that can easily come in and fill into the rotation, that's really going to help them if they are trying to compete this year, which I think they do. Fam, an A+. I have to give it an A+, because at 14, first of all, he wasn't supposed to be there at 14. You fill a need. Well, yeah, and he was. Where was he? he wasn't going to go in the... He wasn't going to go in the... Where was he going to... He said that he was projected to go anywhere from 10 to 14. And they, it just so happened they got him at 14, because the Knicks were supposed to take him at 10. And that's why a lot of the Knicks fans were bad. Because they were saying, right now... Depending on who you want to proceed, you need a guy that can come in there and fill minutes on the wing because Fournier's not cutting it, and they wanted to decide whether or not RJ Barrett how much money they're going to give him. Abadi would have been a great rotation player. Fam, he would have he been a great rotation player, but I think that if everything hits, he's nothing more than that. Like, 
But that's what I'm saying. That's what Cleveland. That's all Cleveland needs for them. Nah, fam. But you, to me, like I like AJ Griffin more, and AJ Griffin and Abaji yeah. play the same position. Like I, I just I rate AJ Griffin is a better shooter, and I, I just rate the body more. Like pause, but like I rate you know what I'm saying his tools more than I rate Abaji's tools. To me, Abaji, what is he? A senior? He's a senior, right? He's senior. He's a senior that he basically it took him literally until his senior year to show you anything of real substance. And in the beginning of the year, when I, I I read an article about him when I was looking at him, right? In the beginning of the year, this guy shot like 44% from three. And the, at the back end of the year, he shot 31% from three, including the tournament. So he basically finished up the year shooting like 37, 38% from three. But that's all front loaded. It's all front loaded. And what happens? The later you go, fam, not. But, but what I'm saying is it's a lot of averages for that individual. For your level of shot making. We truly don't know his level of shot making, really. Because he, he only shot well that type of way in his senior year. And again, it trailed off as, as time went down. Went down the line. So for me, it's like, nah, like, I would, I, I would, I don't know, fam. Like, I, I'm not from the position where I'm going to say, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to swing for a role player. And for, for. That's the high water. Is that swinging? No, nah, it is swinging because that's what you're saying. Oh, they needed a, they needed somebody who can play right now. Like, no, but what I'm saying is they need somebody. We can don't play even right know now, if he can play right, but we don't Listen, even play. Fam, he didn't fall. He, did he? I don't think he fell. Because I'm not I, saying he slid oh, from like top five, was, but he was supposed to be there for you. No, I bro. When I was when I was um, making my 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 bets for this thing, it's not like I was seeing the bless odds for. The man to go in the top ten? No, I wasn't. There were the what? What there was was first player drafted, and the next man was was um what's the name? The man that ended up going to OKC, uh, Diang, whatever his name is. He he ended. He was the high favorite to be drafted before this guy, and he his over under was at ten point five. So I, there's no way to me it, it was like nah I don't know still to me it's like he's a whatever guy bro like he's one of those guys where you look back at the draft and you say oh yeah he's cool and then you move on and then you move on still it was never about the flash I just think he's the best he's the best player available and he fits in a glaring need but at any rate that completes the lottery um there were some guys that went after the lottery like Wendell Moore Jr. obviously AJ Griffin that you mentioned already and some other guys but. Uh, I can't wait for Summer League. Summer League actually starts on the second, guys. Don't forget, we have the Utah Salt Lake Classic and we have the California Classic before Las Vegas. So Summer League does officially start July 2nd. Free agency starts July 1st. Hopefully these draft picks pull up their parents and actually want to play some basketball because for the past couple of years, a lot of guys have been sitting out, especially the high-profile guys, and they've kind of been taken away from the, uh, the oomph of Summer League. And I'm a big Summer League guy, so I'm hoping to see all of these guys come up there and perform. Um, anything you want to say before you wrap up on the draft or anything like that and get out of here? No, no. Um, I think this draft is going to be a pretty good draft class. Um, I'm excited to see the players. I really want to see Chet. I, I agree with you. Like, I really hope that these guys value getting out there like, and not not do the whole Zion Williamson thing or whoever else. There, was, there were some other players that just decided that they didn't want to play, but... Nah, man, you got to get out there and just get get the feet wet. And I hope my key player that I want to see is Chet. I want to see what Chet's saying in these summer league games. I'm going to be watching intensively. If Chet goes out there in the summer league and he, say, averages like 16, 8, 
three point something blocks. <laughs> it's gonna be on my net store. I really want to see Ivy. I know Ivy. Yeah, Ivy too. Because yeah, when Ivy. I watch, I watch a highlight clip of him maybe like yesterday or day before, and there's there's a lot of just bigger, stronger, faster than guys. But like, obviously, some of these not gonna be the cream of the crop. But this is kind of a step up. I want to see whether or not you're still gonna be able to kind of use your muscles to score that. Because if you can't get it off of somebody, you're hard pressed to get off the league. But we'll see. Um, I'm interested about the draft. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to wrap it up here. It's another episode of the All Hustle No Luck podcast. we on all streaming platforms. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. It's going to be produced every Monday morning. So make sure you guys double click on that. Never hoard a good thing. A lot of effort goes into putting these episodes. A lot of time preparation. Um, so make sure you guys at least click a like, download it, share it. Because it really does help. Um, until then, we'll talk to you guys next time, and we'll see Kev back in this next week. It'll be the three of us next week, I believe so. So take care. We'll talk to you guys next time.